seen Ben? He done a runner from the cops. From me. Which way did he go? Have you told him you're pregnant? No. the trailer for Some Happy Day. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. In this episode, I'm joined by Catherine Hill, an accomplished and admired individual who has worked as an actor, script editor and story consultant. As well as being an award-winning theatre director, Catherine has been employed as a case manager and a crisis worker for over two decades, working with individuals managing complex issues and often experiencing homelessness. Drawing on all of these experiences, Catherine wrote, produced and directed Some Happy Day, a neat little film about a homeless woman, Tina, played by Peter Brady, in desperate search of a better life, who meets a social worker, Frances, played by Mary Helen Sassman, with troubles of her own. Some Happy Day was filmed in and with the community in which the story is set. Many of the background actors have a lived experience of what it's like to be without a home. Here, Catherine discusses the making of Some Happy Day, how she fell in love with storytelling, and the importance of networking within the Australian filmmaking community. Some Happy Day will screen at the Backlot Perth from November 18 to 21, with Melbourne screenings confirmed in late February 2022. Keep an eye on cinemaaustralia.com.au for more Some Happy Day screenings as they're announced. Anyway, enjoy. Catherine Hill, thank you very much for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Matthew. I'm really enjoying um, being a guest. Uh, I feel like I've got my finger on the pulse of Australian cinema, but some happy day feels like it's come out of nowhere. Um, I'm so glad that the film was brought to my attention recently because it is such a terrific film and I think you've done an incredible job with it considering this is your first feature film. Um, It's a quality character piece that balances drama and humanity with fine precision and it's uh, it's never gratuitous, which uh, can sometimes be the case when dealing with these subjects. So a big congratulations on this one, Catherine. Thank you so much. Um, before we get started, can I get you to tell our listeners what Some Happy Day is about in your own words as far as story goes? Yeah, so Some Happy Day follows the story of Tina, who's a woman experiencing street homelessness, and it's 
really follows her journey as she's trying to um, make a better life. And she comes in contact with a social worker who is also going through a crisis and we see their lives interweave and connect and the connections that they have are quite profound and it basically impacts on their own lives. Each individual person impacts on the other and that impact leads to quite significant change. Yeah, and it's such an engaging story as well. Um, you have uh, acting credits in Blue Healers, The Flying Doctors, and uh, two of my favourite contemporary films, My Year Without Sex and uh, That's Not Me. And uh, you've also yeah. directed an episode of Neighbours, which you also appeared in. Uh, take us back for a second. Where did your interest in filmmaking and, and screen art begin? I think it's all based around my love for story. So I, at a very young age, started in youth theatre and then went to WAPA and graduated as an actor and realised pretty soon after I graduated that you had to be involved in the creation of your own work, of work um, for yourself. So I started a theatre company and which focused on new Australian writing. And so as I started working as an actor and a director in that, I started working uh, with lots of writers and really found a passion for that new writing and developing story. And um, a lot of the writers I worked with went to went moved on to work in film and television. And I worked, went with them and started working with them. And it was my that interest that um, and my work with independent filmmakers on their films that I thought, wow, this is such a beautiful medium and also those particular people I worked with made it look so easy um, that I just thought I'm, I'm going to have to give it a go. I did make two short films prior to this feature, but I did kind of jump in uh, with a, an enormous amount of naivety and was just supported so incredibly by um, independent filmmakers and um people who mentored me through the entire process. So that, yeah. uh, that kind of support is so important uh, in this oh. local industry, especially the independent uh, uh, filmmaking community in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. And they are so, everyone I approached has been so incredibly generous with their time and advice. Um, and now I'm at that distribution end. And again, everyone I approach for advice is just, so, you know, everyone wants success for everyone else and I find that such a really, you know, wonderful and invigorating environment to be in. Yeah. Uh, this film was brought to my attention by Donna McRae who directed uh, Cobby, uh, um, a documentary yeah. recently, and, um, and Johnny Ghost. Uh, and, you know, that just goes to show that everyone is encouraging everyone's success. I mean, you know, Donna's on her own journey, but she's willing to take her time out and, and bring this one to my attention. Yeah, and Donna has been, like, an amazing champion and uh, mentor for me, particularly through the post-production of this film. I would have been on the phone to her many, many times, and she looked at a number of the edits as well. So, yeah, it's just she has been really fantastic, um, a fantastic support. That's great. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, your passion for storytelling. What were some of the stories that really caught your imagination when you were younger? 
Um, look, I have always been interested in Australian drama. Um, and so it was, you know, growing up with Dorothy Hewitt plays and the plays of John Romrell and, um, uh, you know, uh, the summer of the 17th doll and all those really beautiful quintessential Australian pieces. And I'm particularly passionate about having Australian voices, you know, in, in our culture. And that's why seeing Australian films is so important to me and actually um, really championing the work of getting Australian television and all those stories up, um, you know, in our uh, as part of our cultural um, understanding of who we are. So I think the stories I loved um, were those Australian theatre pieces initially. Beautiful. Was it a family thing? Did it run in your family? No, no, not at all. I know I've got a salesman dad and a stay-at-home mum who when I first became involved in theatre, you know, they would come along and then I, I became really involved and eventually they said to me okay we're only going to come and see comedies and musicals from now on we don't want any of that Shakespeare we don't want any of those strange plays that you like being in so just comedies and musicals so um they have in fact my dad today just uh emailed me and he said will I get to see this some happy day thing Mm -hmm. and I've um I've sent him a link just saying this is a link but don't share it but this is what it is my my mum has been fabulous like she's come down and she's wallpapered theatres with me and during the filming of this she came down and looked after our son and uh so she's kind of much more um involved in the story of some happy day uh and got to know cast and crew because she was around a fair bit Oh, that's beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Um, so tell us, you, you know, you've, you've mentioned uh, you, you speak very passionately about your theatre work there and, and you know, you are an award-winning theatre director. Tell us about the transition from directing live theatre to directing a feature film. So it in 2016, I think it was, I went to Montana to work with Richard Gray, who's an Australian director based in Montana now, um, he, we, I had worked on a film called Broken Ghost um, as a story developer for that one, and he invited us across to for the filming of the um, of Broken Ghost, and it was such a lovely experience, and it was the first time I had been on a set for the entire uh, shoot, and really starting to think in pictures was um, I could feel it was a palpable shift. And again, Richard Gray made the process look so easy Mm. that when I came back, um, I was also really fascinated by the fact this is something that Richard had said to me was that there is a film you write, then there is a film you shoot and the film you edit. Um, And I was a little bit arrogant and I thought, I don't know, I think if, if you're a director who wrote it, you could actually write the film and make sure that the film you wrote is the film you shoot and that the film you shoot is the film you, you know, you cut at the end. Um, and so I came back and I'd always been thinking about the only story I felt I could really write was one, was a story, Some Happy Day, because 
I have lived in that environment and um, am very intimate with the stories of so many uh, street people who have experienced homelessness and particularly street homelessness that I thought, I, you know, I'd really like to give it a go. And now, um, and what I discovered, of course, along the way was Richard Gray was completely right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is the film you write, then the film you shoot and the and the film you um you finally cut. Yes. Uh, but it, it it came from that, from that really palpable experience of being on set and starting to see how he was um, being able to tell the story through pictures and just being able to look at how much more um, what the, the capacity you have when you've got a camera as opposed to the strength of containment in a theatre space and just starting to try and think um, cinematically as well, you know, as well through that process. So did you reach out to him for, for any advice during, during this shoot? Yes, I did. I had a couple of calls with Richie um, and some of them were pre-production and a couple of times he would speak to me and say, I think you know the answer, but I'm glad you've called me. Um, yeah, and, and so he, he was very supportive and, again, he, he looked at um, a couple of the early cuts for me. Um, his partner, Michelle Davis-Gray, is a writer that I've worked with over many, many years as well and, again, another person who's been incredibly supportive. And, and Richie and Michelle and Donna and um, the directors of That's Not Me, um, um, well, Greg Erdstein and yes. Alice Fulcher, yes. every time time you know I started speaking to them about I'm thinking of doing this and they would all go yes just do it just go with it just do it and we'll be here to support you Mm. so um, again you've uh, emphasized the importance of you know having these uh, connections within the local industry and I think that's a very important point for some of our you know younger listeners or 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 young filmmakers who might be starting out in the industry it's it's very important um, you mm. touched on it a little bit there. Uh, you know, admirably, you've got these two decades of case management and uh, and crisis work under your belt. How did you get involved in that line of work? Uh, it was actually story that took me there. I moved into Grey Street in St Kilda, just uh, in Fitzroy Street, just around the corner from Grey Street in St Kilda. St Kilda, when I moved into um, the area in the mid nineties had a huge amount of rooming houses. So rooming houses are kind of the caravan parks of the country. They're, they are high density, um, oftentimes people who are on the lower socioeconomic band who are dealing with complex issues. And these were my neighbours and I started talking to um, people who were living in the rooming houses and they mentioned to me about um, a service around the corner called Sacred Heart Mission. and. Um, I just graduated from WAPA and I am very aware that sometimes that that you need to be involved in life to be reflecting it and, you know, coming out of WAPA and not, you know, I was trying to start my own theatre company, but I just wanted to make sure that I was engaged in life itself rather than simply doing classes, et cetera. And I went to... um, Sacred Heart Mission and asked them if I could interview some of the clients with the idea of maybe doing a story or a theatre play and a very clever person there, um, Vince Corbett, who was the volunteer coordinator at the time, said to me, well, why don't you come and volunteer? And I thought, oh, okay. And, you know, 15 years later I was still volunteering. But that 
that entry actually made me start looking at that area and um, I then secured a job at uh, the crisis centre and um, from there it really worked well because the kind of work I was doing allowed me to do contract work and case management work. So when I wasn't doing a theatrical or an artistic project, I could um, just pick up some case management. And, you know, I, I just found it such, you know, such great work because the people you're dealing with have such unique and amazing stories and you are then privy to their stories mm -hmm. So story took me there. I actually did some work with clients, um, getting them to work in theatre shows that I was uh, developing. And I also then moved out and started working with more um, artistic groups in the city of Port Phillip that were comprised of people who had um, managed trauma in the past. And so that becoming um, involved in those communities was also fantastic because I was able to kind of join my artistic uh, and the social work together. Mm. And, in fact, in the film, a lot of those group members work as background actors in our film. And for them, I went to them saying this is a film and we spoke about how films work and we did some education around that and then anyone who wanted to be in the film just put up their hand and so for many of them it was the first time they'd ever been on a set mm. and they really really loved the experience so that was again just a really beautiful outcome of all those community connections you're listening to the cinema australia podcast on apple podcasts soundcloud or cinemaaustralia.com.au so, so tell us about those particular uh, people and those actors. What did they bring to the production um, you know, that you otherwise may not have thought of? Um, what I offered those, the, the actors from City of Voices and Voices of the South Side and um, was an opportunity to play background actors in any, in any of the scenes we had background actors. So some of them were in the library scene and some were in the scene. We have a scene in the a mall in Ackland Street and it was only one particular woman who came to me and said to me, look, I have been street homeless many times and I would really love to play someone who is street homeless. And, uh, and she said she felt it would be really cathartic for her just to be able to play that now that she was removed from it. Yes. And um, she's an incredibly articulate woman who I'd worked with um, in one of the community groups. And, uh, and so she played uh, one of the home, a homeless woman who was sleeping rough in an alleyway. And uh, she said to me, it was just such a beautiful experience for her to be able to, to play that role with um, a sense of it being in her past yes, yeah. and um, she we will continue to work with her uh, during we're hoping to do an impact campaign and um, try and get it into particular communities and she's very keen to be involved in that 
The others just brought a sense of joy. They were able to talk to uh, cast and crew and um, the lead, one of the lead actors, we have Mary Helen Sassman who plays Frances and Peter Brady who plays Tina, the homeless woman. And Peter Brady also works and has worked in outreach capacity and um, and in the same Salvation Army services I do in a needle exchange. So she has decades of hearing stories and working with clients who um, have experienced years of trauma or are dealing with complex issues. Uh, and in fact, the role of Tina was written for her. Yes. Um, I, I want to. Uh, I want to bring those two up in a moment and, yeah. and have a have a deeper discussion about them. But how much of uh, some happy days based on your own experiences? Um, so much of it, Matthew. It's probably a conglomeration of a whole lot of stories over the years. Like the first time I started working outreach, um, and I had to. I was catching up with a couple who were homeless. And I, they said, oh, this is our cars parked here. This is, you know, this is where we'll, we'll meet you. And um, I went down and met them. And I looked in their car and it was absolutely chockers full of, full of belongings. And when I met them, I said, where are you guys sleeping? Can you sleep in the car? And they said, no, we just use the car as our storage unit. And only if it's raining do we come back to the car? Otherwise, we just... If it's raining, they'll sit up in the car all night, but otherwise they just slept at the park. Um, just the ingenuity of so many of the clients when I was, you know, walking to a coffee shop to have a coffee with them and they would be checking all the car meters and checking trolleys for coins and just that, that amazing um, sense of resilience. I don't know how many times I have spoken to people and they'll say to me, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping at the beach in the bushes. And I always, when I walk the beach, I always wonder how many people are actually sleeping, you know, or, uh, you know, where, where their belongings are. So it's, and that, that was able, I was able to use all that to texture our film. So in the very first, one of the first scenes, you'll see some girls returning from a party. They go to a, a car and we fill that with belongings. We had a coffee cup. Now, people may not even pick that up, but it is, for me, it was all that, that textured um, stuff that we could actually bring in. Um, and a lot of the lines, over the years, I've written lines down because I just think so many people that I've worked with or that I've witnessed are so creative and so clever and I just think wow those lines are just you know amazing so I've, there are lines peppered through the piece that have come from my memory of just a striking conversation mm. um yeah it's it's you know I, I do think it's a, a major major issue our street homelessness and most of the people who are street homeless are incredibly resilient and have. And for me as a, a caseworker when I've worked, there must be, I must be noted as the next of kin or the emergency contact on probably 80% of the, 
of the people that I've case managed. So if you can imagine that they have just met me or we've been meeting for a couple of weeks and I start doing the paperwork and they have no significant other person in their life that they feel that they can put down as an emergency contact. Mm -hmm. So that real sense of isolation, which is something that I think holds Tina in the place where she is um, staying with her partner who may not be right for her, but at least he's there. Yes. Mm. Was uh, was writing the film uh, cathartic for you? Uh, Look, the writing was probably the quickest part of the project. And I think it was because um, because it it just it felt easy because I knew these I knew this story and I knew Tina so well, and the role of Frances um, was based on a lovely worker that I work with and still have the pl- pleasure of working with, um, but some of the nuances of that character came from another worker who was one of the most wonderful social workers I worked with. And I remember her being so amazingly good with clients. She was incredibly compassionate, but really, really had really strong parameters. But she would walk away from a contact and in her own life, things were just going haywire and she couldn't manage the crisis in her own life, which seemed very small compared to the crisis she was dealing with and being able to give advice on and support people through. And I loved that dichotomy of someone who has this huge capacity to have insight and, and, and can support people who are going through crisis, but in her own life she's falling apart. Amazing. Um, yeah, that was, that was certainly one of the more engaging aspects of this film, um, it, it's obviously independently produced, but you've mentioned that it has been supported by so, uh, social justice organisations. Can you tell us mm. about those organisations that have thrown their support behind this? Yeah, so um, it, it's the social justice organisations are really the organisations that I've worked with over the years. Mm. The two biggest ones were the Salvation Army Crisis Centre who provided permission for us to use their, the actual offices And so the offices that you see in the film are the offices of the statewide crisis centre in Victoria. Um, And that that had to go through a number of layers of approval to make sure that, um, so they read the script and and I think it was Jenny Plant, our general manager at the time, loved it and she pushed for us to be able to use the offices. That in itself was really tricky because we worked we work in the offices till 11 p.m. at night face-to-face. Right. Right. So we could only start shooting at 1 a.m. in the morning and we had to be out by 6 or 7 um, so that we could start gearing up for the day. And also there was always a worker on site providing phone support and our needle exchange was also open. So it was um, that was a really interesting, um, uh, you know, shoot. And I stupidly, as a naive first-time producer, director, I stupidly scheduled those days to be first days up and, um, and you know, we had 30 actors and a new crew and it was just, um, again, thank, thank goodness for we, we, the two producers that work with myself and A.B., my husband, who's a producer, 
were um, Cameron Zayek and Cecilia Lowe. And both of those, Cameron was also DOP, but it was only through their expertise and their kindness and their capacity that I got through those first few days without having a complete breakdown. And that they were just so wonderful. Um, but yeah, so we started with overnight shoots with 30 people and um, in our first um, couple of nights. The other social justice organisation is Sacred Heart Mission, who I'm, you know, still work with on and off. And they are one of the most innovative and amazing organisations. And again, they, they looked at the script and it went through various, various um, approvals until they said, yes, we would support it. And um, they supported it with uh, location. And now we've partnered with them to, um, to do a fundraiser for them and to work in an, um, you know, to have them as one of our impact partners. They they've uh, basically pilot, piloted an amazing program called Journey to Social Inclusion, which was a housing first project, particularly for people who had histories, long histories of homelessness. And um, they, they do housing first coupled with case management and support for a number of years to try and help stabilise and um, work with people. And it's very, very successful. And it's now being, I think, um, it, it has been extended and they are still working it now and I think it's moving through Australia as um, best practice. Wonderful, wonderful. Mm. Um, let, let's talk about these two leads, uh, Peter Brady yeah. and, uh, and Mary Helen Sassman. Wow, I mean, yeah, they give terrific performances here, um, absolutely yeah. captivating. You mentioned that you wrote the role specifically for Tina, uh, who plays Peter, in the film, um, what what was it about her as an actor that that guaranteed her this role? Um, I had been working with Peter Brady for many years because Peter Brady is also a fantastic playwright. So I had worked with her um, on her plays, and um, her she she always in the plays the three plays that I worked on with her she was always in them, and she is just such an extraordinary um, ex extraordinary actor. It's, she had such an amazing presence on stage, but not only is she, she, she has that whatever it is, X factor, she is also one of the kindest people you could meet. And I knew um, when I started talking to her in the writing stage and said, I'm writing this for you. And, you know, um, and so she was able to provide feedback on a couple of the drafts as well. Mm -hmm. And she loved the role of Tina and was really keen to be involved. And then she worked with me on the casting and it was uh, uh, Peter and myself in, you know, I, I think she raised Mary Helen first mm -hmm. and I had worked with Mary Helen in a previous project mm -hmm. and uh, we both thought she would be perfect for Francis. And again, the lovely thing that uh, Mary Helen brings is not only a beautiful capacity as an actor, but her kindness. She's just such a gorgeous person to work with. And I knew that all the other people, either Tina or Francis, were going to be in every single scene. 
and because we were low budget and we were working on a tight timeline, et cetera, I really wanted to make sure that anyone coming into those scenes to work with them, it would be easy. And I knew with both those women it would be so easy and it was just a really blissful shoot. It was just lovely. Um, they have yeah. such a great chemistry together as well on screen. Uh, I, I want yeah. to see them in more in more feature films following this. Hopefully oh, so do I. Yeah. I hope so too. I, I really do. Um, I think they're both extraordinary actors. Um, share with, you know, we've spoken about some pretty heavy stuff here. You know, the themes mm. are heavy. Share with us, uh, you know, one of your favourite experiences overall from uh, making this film. Wow. Um, I think the, the, I, there were such long days on the filmmaking because I was also doing the catering um, some of the catering. So I was getting up really early to make the bagels and stuff. Um, but, and we had this amazing collaboration because Cameron Zayek brought together his crew and then we partnered with JMC Academy to work with the, their third year students as well. And we also coupled, we partnered with the National Drama School. So we were, this, it was this, amazing kind of real community sense when we were um, on set. There was this, because it was big, we had lots of people. And I would say to any first-time filmmakers, <laughs> maybe not as big and as many locations as I had. Like I just, when I think back, I think, why didn't I just do a single set with three actors? But I, I think it was almost this kind of celebratory feeling every day um, really driven by Cameron and, and Cecilia and these amazing people that would come in for one day or two days but bring with them such a sense of um, excitement and of uh, being there. For a lot of the third-year actors from the National Drama School, it was the first time they'd been on a, a, a real, a, you know, a, a film set and so they came in with such a sense of um of eagerness and preparation, they're you know completely prepared, and the 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 students from JMC were with us for the entire shoot, and they again just watching them develop and um, really flourish through the experience was wonderful. I often I often just looked at everyone on the set. <laughs> Matthew and I think everyone seems to be having a great time except me. I was I was always like really stressed, and I remember saying to um saying to uh, Donna McRae at one stage, I, I rang her and said, "There's just everyone's always asking you questions, and you know, it's everyone seems to be doing really well." And she said, "Just go to the toilet. Just take take a few minutes out and go to the toilet and just have a break." Um, but yeah, I, I do. I do really feel it was that th that was the really lovely part. And for us, the film starts in St Kilda, um, and it's very grey, St Kilda. You know, it's lots of roads and trams, and it's grey. And we also shot not we didn't shoot in sequence, but we shot the Dalesford um, section at the end of the shoot, and it was. When we got to Dalesford 
and just that green and just that I'd put people up in Airbnbs and, you know, we'd, you know, we have one house that we were meeting at to eat and just it felt to me like as a company we were also going on a similar journey mm-hmm. in terms of that relief that was found when both the women were at um, a point of decision-making mm-hmm. and they needed that air and they needed that change. And and it was really lovely that that was reflected for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, yeah, it was just really lovely that we finished in the Dalesford I think we have one or one more big scene back in in Melbourne, but just generally we followed the same trajectory as the girls. It's a very beautiful scene. It, it feels so calming. Um, yeah, yeah it, it was lovely. Um, yeah. I often uh, finish my interviews by asking this question: uh, Have you seen any Australian films lately that have stood out for you? Oh. Um, we haven't seen many because it's been in lockdown. I think in the middle of our two weeks off lockdown, I, I got to see Nomadland, which I know is an Australian. Mm. But we did, I caught up with uh, and saw Hot Mess by Lucy Coleman oh, a few weeks ago. Just yes. really delightful, really beautiful, beautiful character-based, funny, driven by women, which is really beautiful. Um, and a couple of... We saw I Am Mother. Yeah, yes. Shot in a um, live, yep. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, very mm. slick sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, and another film that's not out yet, but it, you should keep it on, um, you know, it, it's, it's Shit by Pr- Patricia Cornelius. Yes. And now, I heard about this film and, and that's yeah. because uh, Tina, uh, Peter's star. Peter Brady. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, Peter Brady's in that and it's uh, directed by Trudy Hellier and Susie D. And that's an incredibly dynamic and really brutal piece. It's really, really worth they're they're about the same stage as we are at the moment. So they're looking at distribution and stuff. So keep an eye out for that. It's Definitely. it's uh, a really great ride. And um and Peter's wonderful in that. And the writing of Patricia Cornelius. Is so great and it's so lovely to see her. She's collaborated with Susie D for decades and it's so lovely to see Susie D and Trudy working together um, with that one as well. Right. Of course, right. Well, that one's fan. definitely on my list now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say there? I was going to say, and I'm also, a, you know, a massive fan. You've already mentioned it with Donna, but um, yeah. Lost Gully Road is yeah. certainly one to see as well. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us. It's been so good to hear your stories. Uh, it always, um, you know, you're, it's always so great to learn more about the film that you've just watched. And, and as yeah. usual, it's made me want to go back and watch it again. So thank you very much for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. It's been great talking oh, with you. Thank you so much, Matthew. Thank you for listening to the Cinema Australia podcast. You can keep up to date with all the latest Australian film news, reviews, features and interviews at cinemaaustralia.com.au.